All right, you are now tuned in to the follow through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode one seventy two. It was the debut of the Big Three in Brooklyn. We brought in our friend Spencer Davies from BasketballNews.com. He's been covering the Cavs for the past six seasons. How special is the young bull Colin Sexton? What was it like to be at that game? And what is the future of the Cleveland Cavaliers? Of course, we got Clipper talk and Laker talk. How is Jeremy Grant the number one option in Detroit? What is going on with Blake Griffin? And how do you catch COVID twice in the NBA? It is the follow through with Clips and Drew. Drew, give me that intro music. Excuse me. Didn't mean to interrupt like Mount Vesuvius. I'm about due to erupt. Use it or I'm losing it. They say I need to loosen up. Tight, I'm well taught. I must do the max like us. I do have something to say. So you got to give it up. Give it up. What up, podcast world? What's up, everybody? You know what it is. You know where you're at. It is the follow through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast. Episode 172. Got a lot to talk about. There were some big games last night. Uh, Nets and the Cavs. And it was so awesome. The ending was amazing. And I woke up this morning and I'm like, I knew we were going to talk about this game. And then I said, wait a minute, dude. We got a homie in Cleveland. So we brought on senior NBA editor and writer for BasketballNews.com. New podcaster with Keeping It 94, also available on BasketballNews.com podcast network. Been, been covering the Cavs for the past six seasons. Cleveland's own Spencer Davies. What's good, Spence? Clips. Drew, glad you guys had me on finally. It's about time. Hey, we don't talk about the <laughs> we don't talk about the Cavs a lot. And you're the perfect guy. But we're on opposite coasts, my friend. <laughs> so you were at the game last night. I think this is a good opportunity to talk a little bit just what it's like to actually be at the NBA games right now, because only a select few get to go to the games. And then I want, just want to talk about the debut of the three-headed bearded beast with the Nets, and then Cleveland pulling that game out last night. So let's talk a little bit about it. It was it was just one hell of an experience, to be honest. Uh, I haven't been back at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse since the pandemic hit. Uh, so this was my 2020-2021 uh, debut at the arena. Um, it's really great cool game to, to come back to right there. Oh my gosh. I, I know how to pick them boys. I'll tell you, <laughs> um, but, but I mean, it was just a cool moment for me. Cause this is the first time I've actually uh, covered a game, uh, for a media outlet with a full-time job. So that was, you know, a little bit kind of surreal for me to actually be in attendance, you know, with a new position. But, um, I mean the game itself, I mean, it, it, there were so many different things happen. Damian Dotson said it today at practice. It's like you had every possible like thing happen. You saw the big three together of Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and James Harden. And, you know, at least two out of the three looked outstanding. Um, you know, Kyrie looked like himself. Uh, the the mid range jumper was working perfectly. Uh, he was getting into the lane and, and really making it happen. Kevin Durant. I mean, what else can you say about it? Coming back from an Achilles injury and looking as good as he has. I mean, 38 points, 12 boards, eight assists, four blocks. I mean, it, it's just like it's 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 close to a MVP caliber season for me uh, as far as I'm concerned right now. Um, but just those three meshing together, uh, I think, looked really good. But I will say, you know, the Cleveland Cavaliers entered yesterday's game with the second best defensive rating in the NBA and it, something was going to come to a head because there's a powerhouse house offense coming in against that stout of a team and the Cavs had up their own end of the bargain I mean uh, especially in that first half they really had the Nets kind of guessing and I understand uh, that's a lot of Brooklyn trying to figure out what they have with their three and kind of meshing uh, those that trio together 
Uh, but I mean, you got to give the Cavs credit. You had Larry Nance out there deflecting every ball. He had two steals in the first quarter right away. The N- the NBA steal leaders, uh, total wise, steal percentage wise, you know, wow. all over the all over the spot. Um, you know, I, I did a feature on uh, Isaac Okoro for BasketballNews.com today, uh, speaking to the impact he had on James Harden, uh, just the way that he made him give the ball up. Harden only had two field goal attempts. Uh, at the first half and he only he only went to the line once so for a rookie to take that assignment he guarded him for five minutes and seven seconds total and did one hell of a job uh, on just taking that assignment Uh, Colin Sexton obviously was the story of the night just the way it was I mean the the Nets crept back into it uh, in that fourth quarter and the momentum really looked like it was shifting they took a five-point lead in the overtime and then for some reason you know they just weren't able to hit that that ending shot, that kind of, you know, game ender, that, that clincher, so to speak. Um, and the, the Cavs just kind of just kept battling. And, and I've been saying it all season long and, you know, people might take me as a homer just cause I'm in Cleveland, but I'm serious. This team never says die the way that they play. Uh, remember they're getting guys back too now, like with Colin, uh, they're incorporating Torian Prince and Jarrett Allen into the lineup. That was their debut last night, ironically against the Nets who traded them uh, and they finished the game. And both played over 30 minutes. Um, Jared Allen ended the game over Andre Drummond. That's a, a note to definitely keep in mind. But they did a fantastic job. Jared Allen hit a huge mid-ranger uh, when the Cavs got a stop when they were down five. Um, and, and that kind of kept them in it. And then, you know, Jared, J- uh, Jeff Green hit a big three for the Nets. Good. But then, as we saw, Colin Sexton, he had 27 points going into that shot that he hit up over Kyrie uh, to send it into double overtime. And then... Young Bull just went nuts, fellas. I mean, there's there's no other way to describe it. This is the first time this kind of way that we've seen Sexton take over. He's done it before, but not to this magnitude, not on this type of stage. Everyone was talking about the big three on the nets. Sexton comes back first game in five games and goes out and scores 20 straight points. Uh, he had 15 in the in the you know overtime period, the double overtime period. And I mean, th- what I was watching, just seeing him knocked down a three over Kyrie Irving to send it into double overtime. And then he hit another three over Kyrie Irving, drove past Kyrie Irving, hit a floater, hit a three over Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant's oh, ass, right, right in his ass. Right in his eye. And then you see him, he does it over Joe Harris. And then he hits a three over Jeff Green. And then to top it all off, the Cavs hit their game clincher when Sexton drove into the lane, found Torian Prince in the corner and hit. he hit a three. So there was just everything going on in that game. Uh, you know, the Nets defensive uh, deficiencies are definitely of concern, but I don't like the narrative that they're running with here that that the Cavs were a bad offensive team because the Cavs have been missing half their roster for the last two weeks. So that's not really indicative of what Cleveland is capable of on the offensive end. But at the same time, we do know that the Nets are going to have to get deeper and they're going to have to get more size because their bench got outscored 44 to 10 by the Cavs. So and, and that game unfolded with only one half of Sexland, right? I mean, that's the fun. That's the most fun duo for the for the Cavs backcourt in a little while. Um, and you didn't have Garland at all. Is he out on? Is it injury or is it is it contact tracing? What, what's going on with Garland? It's an injury. Uh, he hurt his shoulder. Uh, I forget what game it was, but he took a, a tough uh, screen and then he, he fell to the ground and, you know, had an MRI on it. And they wanted to just make sure that he was all right. Um He's been out for a little while now, but uh, J.B. Staff does expect him to return on Friday against the Nets. Uh, so we'll see if that, you know, 
prediction comes true. And then Dylan Windler as well, another key piece off of their bench uh, coming in and uh, returning as well. So, you know, Cavs are getting some bodies back. We won't have to see him put out that super jumbo lineup of JaVale <laughs> McGee and Andre Drummond. You know, we're not seeing that anymore. They're getting some of their wings back. I didn't even mention in the in the game against Brooklyn last night that Jetty Osman had his second straight game with 25 or more. Uh, chips there was in seven assists and, ch- and seven boards. He was really killing it and, and finding uh, the bigs on those high handoffs when Okoro, the, the guys Okoro, were rolling. Okoro was the only guy that scored under 10 points with everybody that played. He had he eight. He was the only one that scored under under 10 points. I just it's I love to see Sexton just handle Kyrie the way he did. And Kyrie had a great game. I'm saying like there is no fright in this kid at all. And do you think that he's the leader of the team? I I think it's a collective thing. But as far as when the Cavs need a bucket, when they need a go to guy, he is it. Mm -hmm. And, And that happened this year, too, in Atlanta. I don't know if you remember that game when he hit the uh, the go ahead three against the Hawks and uh, put him to bed. So Colin's been doing this for a while now. I know a lot of people were were down on him in his first year or two because, you know, he had a little bit of tunnel vision. He was, you know, turning the ball over, kind of just driven himself into a tr- into trouble, uh, you know, really having a hard time with those passes. Now you're seeing that playmaking ability come up. And uh, this is another phase, the next step in his player development that I think is truly flourishing. And when he does that, it means that other teams have to pay attention to the guys he's passing to. So now they have to worry about his distribution, which gives him even more of an advantage on the offensive end. And he's really utilizing a floater to get over the top of bigs uh, instead of driving in too deep and getting blocked. Uh, it's just been a maturation and uh, it's, it's been special, man. And Colin, he, he was a rising star last year by default. And I know he took that by heart. Um, and, and he's looking to just kind of make everybody pay and show the world what he's really made of. He's also third in the league in minutes too, behind Harden and Sabonis. And then at Sexton, he's playing 37 minutes a night. What do you think the chemistry, I mean, how's the locker room? The locker room in general, I think is just believing. And there's a lot of buy-in with what JB Bickerstaff and his staff are, are selling. Uh, they wouldn't be as good of a defensive team if they didn't buy into the schemes, buy into the responsibilities Uh, The rotations against the Nets, especially again, like I said, uh, in the first half were just outstanding Um, to a man. Everybody stepped up and, you know, if there was a pick, someone switched right away. Or if there was a drop, you know, guys would get over screens, uh, you know, get out, contest on the uh, three point line without being too, you know, reckless and and fouling. They just do such a good job of, of making offenses overthink, I think. And, uh, you know, again, Larry Nance Jr., a huge part of that. Andre Drummond, a huge part of that. Even though he didn't close last night, um, you know, his defensive uh, impact this year has been real. Him and Larry Nance, uh, JaVale McGee, who didn't play last night uh, because presumably of Jared Allen. Jared Allen fitting in on that that end, too, having four blocks in his debut, along with a double-double off the bench. Uh, there's just a there's there's an identity uh, defensively for the Cavs right now. And I don't think it's an anomaly. I think it's real. Um, and, and again, they really believe into what the staff is, is telling them to do. And uh, it's been fun to watch. It, and they're, they're just so pesky. They're just mm-hmm. so pesky. I think that's a good that's a good name for it. Um, I know that, you know, the season's so young and you, you have had a lot of pieces, just like a lot of NBA teams have had a lot of pieces missing assuming just in a perfect world in a vacuum uh, with everyone back, including Kevin Love, what do you think the best Cavs lineup is? 
the best lineup or best uh, starting lineup or in, in, in terms of what here? Um, I, you know, closing lineup, I guess, you know, starting is always nice. I think it's always nice for guys to get a, a start, but I think closing lineups are always the most important. So if you want to take it from that angle, what do you think the Cavs best closing lineup is? Who uh, I'd have to go with sex land, you know, yep. Garland and Sexton in there. Um, JB is always going to ride the hot hand. Uh, he's sure. just, he's known to do that. Uh, but I do like Larry Nance at the three. It depends on what kind of night Okoro is having. Cause Okoro could always play the three as well. But if you have Nance in there, love, and then I'd go with Jared Allen. So my, my five would probably be DG uh, Sexton, Nance, love and Allen. Uh, but again, it, it's all dependent on the flow of the game, how they're playing, how they're defending. Um, and I know that's really generic talk, but yeah. it's true. Um, so that, that would be the five I would go with, uh, just off the top of my head. And what are you hearing about Kevin Love? We know he's been out for, I mean, what, he played like one game or a part, a portion of one game. I can't remember. Do you think he's going to be back relatively soon? Uh, relatively soon. Sure. Uh, I think that they're, you know, happy with his progress. He has a calf injury. Uh, it's been, you know, three or four weeks or whatever. And they said it was going to be three or four weeks before he was reevaluated. Um, the, the team's not really. Uh, down about you know the injury they they think that you know he's progressing so I wouldn't be surprised to see him return in the next two weeks and do you think Drummond will be there next season I don't I and I don't know if he's with the team for the remainder of this season depending on how Jared Allen continues to play um but it, it also could be you know Jared Allen does come off the bench for for Andre Drummond and JB rides the hot hand it would make sense if JaVale McGee were, were dealt because, uh, you know, he's done so much. He, he's He's been such a, a soldier and a veteran, just like Andre Drummond has with this team. Uh, but when you have three bigs that quality, uh, someone's not going to play as much as they want to. And eventually that's not going to be good. So uh, finding a home for McGee, I think, uh, is definitely going to be a priority. If not Drummond, I guess it just depends. But it's a lot easier to trade a four, $4 million contract expiring than 29 or whatever it is that, that Andre has. Right. Right. Hey, what is the, I'm sure our listeners would want to know, but what is the protocol for you to even be at the NBA game? So what happened was when I came into the arena, I was temperature checked um, masks on at all times, uh, unless you're eating or drinking. Um, you know, the, the seating in the media space was actually pretty similar, just more spread out. So instead of like eight of us in a row, there's four of us, three or four of us. Um, they have it, whereas there's like three chairs or four chairs in between us. Um, but it, it felt pretty normal to me. And, and the plus too, as well, uh, is Cleveland is allowing, uh, something like 2000 fans in. Oh, really? Uh, so, so they're scattered. They were scattered around. They were scattered around. Um, and, and you can hear them. It, it's crazy actually. Cause you know, you see it and there's just like little specks around, but <laughs> when, when Colin was, was doing his thing, that, that place got pretty decently loud. Uh, and they, they also gave Kyrie Irving a hand too, because uh, the Cavs ended up playing a tribute video uh, for him a- after the first media timeout, which is a big deal because Irving hasn't been back in Cleveland since he made his debut with Boston. And according to Chris Fedor at Cleveland.com, that video was supposed to be played that night. But since Gordon Hayward had such that gruesome uh, injury, they had to push it back because they feel like it would have been a bad taste. And since then, Kyrie just hasn't been back in <laughs> Cleveland. So he got his tribute video um, and he acknowledged the crowd. And then he, he went down memory lane after the game. It was great to hear him. He looks like he's in great spirits right now. And, and that's, you know, what you want to see, especially from him uh, in a me- mental health standpoint. 
Uh, but but he's he's never really acknowledged publicly his time with Cleveland since the departure. Right. Uh, and it was good to, to see him actually talk about and smile about the times that he had uh, in the city and with that finals championship team. Did he did he sage the floor, though? I want to know if he saged the Cleveland floor. <laughs> I did not see him sage the floor. Okay. I also didn't get in until about 545. So I, I don't know. Maybe he did. Who knows? How How is Kyrie remembered for his time there? I mean, maybe you can just speak for yourself, but if you do have a sense of how that kind of left Cleveland fans feeling, uh, can you speak a little bit to that? Well, in the introduction, there was a mixed reaction. Uh, there were there were some boos and there were some cheers. Um, I, I think in this city that Kyrie is beloved. Uh, it's a complicated situation. A lot of blame actually goes towards Colby Altman because he's mm-hmm. the one that dealt him. And people thought that maybe there was some way to, to, to get him to stay that last year that LeBron was there. Um, but it ultimately didn't work out. Um, I, I think that they know Kyrie's going to get a statue here. His jersey's going to get retired, whatever uh, it is. Um, but it's a very, it's a very mixed feeling uh, just in the, in the present. But I feel like a lot of people talk very highly of Kyrie and, and how good he was uh, during the time that he was here. He gave Cleveland plenty of memories. We, we know the takeovers that he's had. Big time shot after big time shot. They called him Mr. Fourth Quarter. Um, it, it it's it's definitely something that they cherish uh, and this city cherishes. Um, but they, I think ultimately they just want to see him be successful. And um, you know the the, the off court stuff and and however he's feeling, um, you know mentally and, and taking these breaks and stuff. Uh, they they just want to make sure he's all right. Um, and that that's pretty much what I, what I hear and gather around here and following people on Twitter is they definitely appreciate uh, what he brought to the table. Yeah. I mean, he hit the biggest shot in, in the franchise history with that, that finals. And that's still his spot, Drew. That is still his spot. (laughs) Right elbow. If you were at the right elbow and he takes one step back and and shoots a three, forget about it. You're, You're not stopping it no matter how contested it is. So Spence, you're 500 right now, seven and seven. What's your call? How are how are the Cavs gonna gonna finish this season off? What what do you think's gonna happen? A lot of season to go, boys. It depends on if they if if they stay healthy. Well, um, almost almost 20 percent of the season's done, guys. There's yeah, I mean, you there's think 72 about games. They're 14 in. Yeah. People forget that. Uh, so I just where do you think they're gonna be? If they continue to do this, and by the way, I, I think that JB Bickerstaff deserves a tremendous amount of credit for when Sexton was out and all those other guys that are out now uh, and making these lineups, these crazy big lineups work uh, and ugling the game up. Like they still were six and seven before <laughs> Sexton came back. Like that, that's a huge testament to that coaching staff. But uh, granted, they stay healthy. I would not put it out of the, the realm of possibility that they could be in a play in game or maybe that eighth seat. As I was telling uh, Iman on her morning show, there's still teams at the bottom of the East that we know are playoff bound. Like the Miami Heat are going to figure it out. They, they've still got, you know, a little bit of a, you know, championship appearance hangover thing going. They haven't been healthy themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I still believe firmly that Toronto is going to figure it out. I mean, there's what they're five and eight now. Like they're starting to, to get the wheel spin in there. I think Cleveland's going to be in a battle at that bottom between like four different teams and that Charlotte, Atlanta and Chicago and possibly the Knicks, if they can continue what they're doing. So 
Um, they're going to be in that mix. They're not going to be, uh, you know, in the bottom four of the East this year. And to your point, I really do think like the last two weeks of the season is going to make a huge difference on the huge. health front. The health front, I mean, because there's going to be so many teams jumbled in on both Eastern and Western conferences at that bottom that if you don't have some of your key players for those last, you know, three, four, five games, that could be the difference of the season. Everybody's 500 right now. Go yeah. look at the standings. It's nuts. Yeah, totally. Uh, quick question about back to like the uh, the actual game and the Brooklyn part of things. Obviously, the, the debut we've talked we talked about all three the uh, the superstars for for Brooklyn showing up. Uh, it was clear, as you mentioned, that Harden was not out to get his own shot that evening. It really looked like he was, you know, trying to set the table for for Kyrie and KD given every chance. Did you see that? And, and do you think that was like a concerted effort in this game in particular, or do you think that may be something that he actually starts doing on a regular basis and taking like that back seat that we all assume Kyrie might take? Well, that's the million dollar question. And that like, is it, is it better defense or is this just hard and not being aggressive? Look, the, the way I look at it is the first two games that he played with the nets, he scored or assisted on 129 freaking points. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't take a backseat <laughs> after that. Uh, Kyrie was definitely Kyrie was definitely aggressive. It looked like he really wanted to get involved early. Uh, Kevin Durant, you know that he can just play whether it's off the ball or with he has the ball in his hands. He, he makes a difference every, every way he possibly can. Um, Harden had the ball for most, I, I think most of the game, mm-hmm. uh, he had 14 isolation possessions. I believe it was, um, he just looked like he couldn't get to his spots. He thought maybe that he could just get past, you know, what Cleveland was throwing at him and get into the paint. He didn't draw his fouls. He shot six free throw attempts yesterday. Was the last time Harden had less than 10 free throw attempts in a game. Like right. he, he just, he wasn't being as aggressive, but he was looking for his, his teammates. It, he's probably searching for his role. We're probably going to see a lot better of a night offensively from him on Friday against these same Cavs, by the way. Um, but I, I, I don't think he's going to take a back seat. I really don't. And, and they're going to, you know, the Nets, as far as what they're putting out there, they're going to need more from their bench. Like I was saying that that's just not enough production. And Joe Harris, he's going to love playing with a guy like James Harden because <laughs> you could just spot him up and Harden will find him and he'll just knock him down. It was a very uncharacteristic night for Joe Harris as a shooter, um, even though he had some big offensive rebounds down the stretch. But so will Jeff um, Green, Jeff Green, shots. Jeff, Jeff Green, Green, Jeff Green is Mr. Steady Eddie, bro. Yep. Like, I love that guy. Me too. And, I take- and he's their best defensive player, I think. And And not to mention, he just knows when to hit timely shots and make timely plays. Yeah, but that's – I mean, when when Jeff Green's your best defensive player, that's kind of a problem as well. It is. You know? It is. So, it is. And DeAndre Jordan didn't close the game last night. They went with KD at the five – or Jeff Green at the five, however we want to look at it. Look at I think it. that's going to happen a lot too. I mean, DJ was benched a couple nights ago. It's definitely not the same DJ that, you know, we're used to seeing here in L.A. It's definitely a different kind of player. But, um, yeah, I think that's pretty awesome. Hey, you have an interview with Derek Jones Jr. in a little bit, so we don't want to keep you too long, but I want you to plug your new podcast because it's dope and it's on our Basketball News Network, so plug it for us, Spence. All right, it's called Keeping It 94. It's with me and Brian Fritz, my buddy. We go back uh, a couple years in the NBA landscape from when I was at last time. Uh, it's essentially just a, a, like it's basically like a sports radio show, <laughs> it, to be honest. Uh, you know, you have the dunker spot with Nikias Jones and Steve Jones Jr. They are very, very in-depth X's and O's uh, talking about Spain pick and rolls. That's the thing they do. Right. We're a little bit more general NBA talk, you know, uh, talking about the events of the past week, 
we, we come out on Tuesdays with our podcast. Uh, I think that it's a, it's a really kind of old school type of deal. Uh, we don't really do guests, you know, it's just us having a conversation, you know, it's not really Q and a or nothing like that. It's just us just spitballing and, and giving out our thoughts about what happened in the past week. And, you know, talk about different teams is, you know, it, it really just kind of varies, but uh, I think that it, it's pretty good so far. I, I've really enjoyed my time with Brian and uh, hopefully you guys do too. We're on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you subscribe to podcasts, go ahead and do that for us. Leave us a comment, like, uh, and, and give us a rating. And, and that's pretty much all I can say there, but I also did want to plug basketballnews.com. Get your butts there now because there's so much exclusive content there. Alex and I, uh, put together four different great interviews uh, last week. We had Mikel Bridges, Nikola Vucevic, Larry Nance Jr., and uh, even more. So make sure you go over there and, and check those out because there's not that many one-on-ones this year, guys. It's been really difficult on us media folks. So um, go check that out. And, of course, our awesome player content and film breakdowns. And the rest of the BasketballNews.com podcast network. Make sure you go check us out. And the Basketball News app. Yeah, we just dropped the app. The app is out. You did. Get it. It's on Apple. Everybody should have it on their phones. Uh, Spence, we appreciate you, dude. And we're looking forward to uh, what's going to happen in Cleveland, man. Yeah, of thanks course, so much, fellas. Man. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on. Let's do it again. For sure. Definitely. All right. That was our boy, Spencer Davies, with everything Cleveland. That was dope. He's got a, I told him before he even had his podcast. I'm like, dude, you have a really great voice. And he, I guess he did radio back in the day, like just starting out. But um yeah, he this guy is Cleveland through and through, bro. He I think he almost cried when the Browns lost uh last week, but good dude, good person. Check out his podcast. We had we had some more going on in the NBA though, Drew, not just last night. Um I kind of want to talk a little bit about my Clippers. You know, I got to put a little a little Clipper spin on this. We just got our our fifth game in a row. Clippers are, you know, 1-5 in a row, tied with the Lakers right now for the 11 and 4. Um I just want to touch on our shooting right now, dude. We are shooting out of this world. We're shooting the fucking leather off of the basketball right now. Um, We're first in three point percentage. We're first in free throw percentage. We're third in overall field goal percentage with, which is really impressive. Um, Luke Kennard is coming around. Batum's hitting his shots, but again, Paul George, man, Paul freaking George has just been playing out of his mind. Did you get to watch this act? And again, like we played Sacramento back to back. So that I mean, literally you and I could probably get 10 points on Sacramento Kings right now. But um, you get to see any of the game? Yeah, no, I, I watched the most recent one. Um, Paul George put on a show. Like, there's no other way to put it. Like, I, for those people that may not be tuning in to the Clippers because they, they kind of think that they have a handle on, on what the team is, I can understand that because there hasn't been a huge overhaul to that team. Uh, you know, as far as personnel, you, you really just picked up a, a few key players here and there. Uh, but this is looking like you know, really an unbelievable season for Paul George. I, I, there's no real other way to put it. His numbers right now are pretty historic. We assume that he's going to come back down to earth a little bit with those percentages. Uh, but to your point, dude, I saw a stat. I think it was in the first quarter of that game. You guys are second all time right now in three-point percentage. 44%. In, all, in, the his, in the history of all teams in the NBA. And it was behind, which was really interesting. It was behind, I believe, Del Curry's uh hornets team in 1996 oh, with, 97 with glenn rice which is, glenn rice. It, it, with, 
Which is shocking because I would never have assumed that if you if you would have told me the number one shooting team in in the history of the NBA was the '97 Hornets, I would have said <laughs> you're wrong, and I would have put some money on it. You totally. Um, but yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Like everything Paul George is doing is nice, and there's no, he's not forcing the issue. He's oh. really taking the game as it's coming to him, and it, it's really amazing right now how much he's outshining Kawhi. I would have never thought that would be the case, but right now he is definitely you know, your go-to guy and your offensive leader. Well, they're averaging the same amount of points though. It's like 24.9 for Kawhi and 24.3 for Paul George. It's back. It could be vice versa. I'm not too sure, but out like I, I was listening to Windhorse this, the Windhorse this morning too. And everybody but- still is just, all they want to talk about is the meltdown in the bubble. And I'm just more of like, yo, can we just give players the flowers now? Like, yes, I understand he had a meltdown in the playoffs, but the dude's playing out of his mind. Can you just say you're playing out of your mind right now and good luck and I hope you keep this shit going? All they want to do is see this team and this player fail. It's so funny to me. And, you know, well, I think it's because he's done that in the past, right? I like agree. He had, he's had seasons in the past where you go, that's an MVP caliber regular season. And it's not just last year. Obviously, last year is what everyone remembers, right. you know, right now. It was just fucking three months ago. Uh, but, I, you know, it's it's the history that comes along with Paul George uh, that I really think everyone is just so used to him doing fantastic in the regular season and then starting to fade off uh, in the playoffs. And I think James Harden gets a similar rap. Um, so it's just one of those things that most players, great players have to overcome something. Uh, and in these case, in this case, for Paul George and for James Harden, it's it's that it's that doing it in the in in the moments when it counts uh, that I think most people are looking for. I totally agree, and uh, you're absolutely right. Like no NBA player can continue to shoot 50 percent from three, and the whole team's probably not going to shoot 44 percent for the whole year. But what I'm seeing in this game, and what I'm seeing with Ty Lue and the offense, is the extra pass, like. Paul George is, is leading the team in assists as well. And we're getting these, these open looks for Luke Kennard and for Pat Beverly. Kennard shooting over 50%. Pat Beverly shooting 45%. Um, getting these open looks. Even Marcus Morris, who's shooting really well right now. Lou Williams is at the lowest at like 38% right now because, I don't know, he was trying to be kind of a facilitator in the beginning, and now they kind of want him to do more of a Lou role, which is like, yo, be Lou Williams, who's been playing phenomenal defense for like the first time in his career lately, which is wild. He's getting like, he's gotten like two steals a game the past like four games, but it's that extra pass in those open looks. And that's why we're getting um, the percentage that we're shooting right now. And again, I just, one more thing about Paul George, it's just, you can hate him as much as you want, but watch him play basketball, man. This guy can absolutely do it all. And I didn't get to see, I mean, obviously I've watched Paul George for a long time, but when you see it night in and night out, it's the same thing with Kawhi. It's like, wow, your body control, the fact that you could take anybody off the dribble, you can hit from anywhere on the court. It's kind of KD ish. If you think about it, you know what I mean? Like these guys can do anything and play defense. So we have a seven-game road trip coming up, same as the Lakers, same as you. I kind of want to see where we fit in those in, in the next seven games. I mean, we have two more at home and then seven on the road. I think you guys go on yours this after this next game. But I want to see where we stand after that. Cause then we'll be almost we'll be, you know, 26, 25 games in at that point. Um, and then we're going to be, you know, over a quarter of the way done with the season. We're kind of going to just see where we stand here. We got to stay healthy and, and all that, but I'm just really impressed with the way the boys are playing right now. Um, any last thoughts on the clips? Uh, your rotations is the only other thing that I can mention. Like you're 
Ty Lu has a really good handle on this roster. And it's pretty clear that, you know, there's other pieces that are crucial for making a championship run are also hitting on all cylinders. Like we've talked about Pat Beverly in the past, but, and Ibaka too, and both those guys deserve to be mentioned, but uh, you know, it's the canards, it's it, Zubak who's putting in big minutes when he's coming in. Um, I just, it, Morris, who's still, you know, shining as a, a coming off the bench for you guys. I think, you know, that move shows you the mentality, not only of Morris, but of this team. It really does seem to be kind of a, a team first atmosphere and not too many NBA teams have that, um, especially when you have superstars on the squad. So I just, yeah, this is, this is what I expected out of the Clippers to be quite honest with the, with the, the roster that you have. Uh, I'm not surprised that, that they're doing this good. Look, man, I, for, for our selfish reasons, I really want a matchup against the Lakers and Clippers in the, in the playoffs. So I'm just, you know, all hope goes to the fact that both teams remain healthy and that we can see that, you know, when it, when it counts uh, down the line here. Paul George did come out yesterday and said the bond in the locker room is something real right now too. And that's the kind of shit that I want to hear. So for the, for the first time in a long time, we got to have the boys over at the house the other night. It was, we had our boy, Jeff Crompton was in town. We had douchebag John show up me and, and drew and we wanted to watch lakers golden state it was a really good game and you guys didn't pull that one out just like i was really glad you guys lost because we lost to the to the the warriors as well in really bad fashion so what would you think about that game dude well you said it was a really good game and that's just not the that's not the truth the fourth quarter was good if you're a warriors fan mm-hmm. We had that game locked up. That was that was a lapse in concentration. I mean, shit, we were up by like almost 20 at half. Uh, we carried that lead pretty much going into the fourth, and then it was Steph time. And really, we I, I honestly think that the Lakers just kind of took their gas, they took took their foot off the gas pedal. And that's really what has happened in you know the four losses that we've had over the course of this year. Uh, Lakers, as you mentioned already, are 11 and four, tied for the first uh, seed in the in the Western Conference, and tied for the best record in the league with the Clippers. So yeah, that was unfortunate. I, of course, you know, living in San Diego, I I decided to leave, and I think I really truly believe that it was me leaving. That, oh yeah, that, that caused the Lakers to lose because I left at the end of the third, and things were looking great. There was not really much of a contest there. Um, I think it actually got down to like six points or something uh, while we were just talking about whatever else, because the game was not carrying our attention that much. Um, but needless to say, that is, it, it's a, it's a loss that we took. It was a, a nice win for, for the Warriors who continue to um, impress in moments like these. Um, I, I really do believe they're going to be right in that playoff spot, uh, you know, the bottom of the, of the playoffs. Um, I, I think they have the quality and, and, in that game in particular, when you have Ubre and Wiggins and Pascal all playing um, that that good, that's that's really what you need to see for the Warriors. Uh, if you're a Warriors fan, that's really what you want to see: is this team not only be competitive but not give up, right? Like they, it could have been very easy for them to give up and say, "Well, the Lakers, you know, they're the best team in the NBA. We're probably not going to win this one." They didn't have that. They had that competitive spirit, uh, but you know. We, we should be we, – we were on a five-game win streak mm-hmm. heading into that game. We should be, you know, on a six-game win streak at this point. But really, uh, as you already mentioned, we're, we're going on our rodeo uh, road trip here. So this is, this is the, you know, the long road trip of the season for the Lakers. Um, I'm actually 
quite okay with, with, you know, this road trip happening now. Uh, interestingly enough, the Lakers are undefeated away from home. We're seven and oh, when we play away and all four of our losses have come at home. We're wow. four and four at home. So it seems like we're, we're in a good rhythm when we leave. We'll see, obviously, you know, this type of road trip always takes a toll when you don't get to go home. You don't get to do your normal routine, you know, with, with the family and, and all that stuff. Um, and obviously with the restrictions, there's not much else they can do other than chill at the hotel and maybe get a drink at the hotel bar. Uh, but today we have that, that first matchup of our, of our road trip, and it's against Milwaukee. And that's going to be a great game. We unfortunately last season, we had some really not so good games against Milwaukee. I, we always kind of teed them up as being like, you know, must see basketball. And then they didn't turn out that way last season. So I'm hopeful this season in particular, this game is competitive and good. And it's not some sort of blowout or, uh, you know, I wouldn't mind if the Lakers blow out the Bucks, of course. But uh, this game will be a big game for the Lakers uh, and for the Bucks, who have had, you know, some shaky games in the past. I mean, they just lost the Nets. Um, so I'm, I'm excited for that matchup, but, um, the Lakers in general, as I've mentioned, you know, over the last few pods, like there hasn't really been much for me to, to, to talk about as far as what they're doing, other than the fact that they're looking good. Everyone seems to be playing well. Um, you know, as the season has progressed, uh, the fact that Anthony Davis is only averaging 22 points a game is not great. I, you know, I would love to see, uh, him shooting better. He's not really shooting the ball at the highest percentages that I would expect from him. Uh, coming off of last season, he was he was just so amazing. And in games, of course, 22 points a game is nothing to you know shake your head at. Right. Uh, but we know that he's more capable of getting closer to 30 every night. Um, and really, the season thus far has played out nicely for the Lakers. So this will be a test. Uh, you know, after after Milwaukee, Milwaukee, we have Chicago, who took us to um, some close games when they played us at home. Cleveland, then Philadelphia next Wednesday. So one week from today or one week from, from yesterday, that'll be a big one as well. Detroit and Boston, and then we finish in Atlanta. So not only is it a road trip, it really is you're, you're kind of hitting a lot of different places within that road trip. Um, so this will be an important, you know, an important run. And I would hope the Lakers come out with no more than two losses in this road trip, I think is a success. If you can go five and two in a seven-game road trip, I think that's what we're looking for. And to be quite honest, I, I, still, I still have a lot of confidence in saying that we're the best team in the NBA. I, I think until other teams prove otherwise, uh, we are that. And I, I can't say enough about LeBron James's performance. The fact that he's still playing at the level that he's playing at, and people have been saying he's, he's averaging his fewest minutes uh, since, you know, whatever, like 2008 or something like that. He's still playing 32 minutes a game. It's not like he's playing, you know, 20 minutes a game or, or things like that. So his performances have been great. He's shooting the ball at a, at the highest level from three since like Oh nine. Uh, he's up to like close to 40%, 39, 40% from three. So if we're Just getting good. that, that's good. Yeah, it's really good. Mm -hmm. And he's, he's never really been that kind of a three point shooter over the course of his career. He's always been in the low thirties. So if we're getting that kind of shooting from him and you're getting uh, you know, really solid point guard play from Schroeder, uh, Trez coming off the bench is still doing his thing. Like he's averaging close to 18 points a game for us off the bench. You know, I would love to see KCP and uh, Kuzma and Matthews start to heat up. And we've had some ups and downs. KCP started the season on fire and it kind of, you know, tapered down in the last few games. Um, but really, I just, you know, I think we're, we're in a really good spot. I, mean, I have no complaints, uh, you know, this season and especially in a season that's been 
riddled with, you know, nagging little injuries here and there. And obviously COVID and contact tracing, we've really been able to avoid that for, for a majority of our team. And I just hope that that stays uh, true. And I think more, more than the wins and the losses coming out of this road trip healthy is the thing that I really want. Even if we go, Oh, and seven, if we get for, you know, that's not going to happen, but even if we do and we come out of that and everyone's healthy and, and no one's injured and no one's, you know, got COVID, uh, that will be a, a huge win for the team. And, and that will, you know, continue us on this track that we have. Uh, Vogel still doing really good with the rotations. Uh, I think he does really good job coaching this team. And it seems the team uh, respects him as the coach, which is, which is really important for a LeBron James team is that not only LeBron respects him, but everyone else in the squad seems to uh, respect what he's saying and, and appreciate what he's doing offensively and defensively. Um, I think we look good. And I just think, especially, you know, in, the, in our losses, three in particular, it's the mental portion of the game where we can get up, you know, double digits and we can kind of let that lead slip. And I would love to see us have a little bit more of a closing mentality in those games and, and put away games as we should, uh, especially on, on, you know, this road trip when, when you're playing the Detroits and, uh, you know, teams like that, that we should really put away in the first half and then close that door in the third quarter. Uh, that's what I would love to see. So well, other, other than that, it's just Anthony Davis's aggressiveness. I would love to see a little bit more of, but I don't really have any complaints. Well, I think tonight's game will be a good gauge too. I mean, playing Milwaukee who, you know, who's the best in the East and it's a good matchup for Giannis and AD. Uh, it, it'd be nice to see how that turns out. And then we can maybe have a better gauge on, on where we stand with that as the best team in the NBA, I guess. Uh, back to, I wanted to go back really quick to the loss, the, the loss against Golden State, because what happened in that game was Steph Curry just went off and he was doing Steph Curry things. And this guy is so impressive to watch. And it kind of carried over into last night's game against San Antonio, where he was just unreal, dude, doing so many Steph things, 26 and 11 last night. Wiseman had his career high at 20 points. There were just moments in that game where nobody could guard Steph. I mean, he put Patty Mills in the blender last night on some easy shit. And he had an alley-oop last night to Wiseman, where it reminded me of the D, the classic D Wade to LeBron, where, you know, he turns to the camera and looks away. Steph came down the court and just threw it up, turned his head and started running down. It was just nice. And the chemistry's coming together for them. And I know we were hard on them early, but with a healthy Steph Curry, the way he's playing, yeah, these guys are going to be really competitive. And especially with Draymond Green, just they looked really good. And they made this, they made the Spurs look silly last night. Yeah. I, Draymond's value to this team, it, I, I, we keep saying it. I mean, we've said it year over year. His value is not measurable. Like it doesn't show up in the stat line always, but you can hear him. Like he, he was mic'd up um, one of those games. I think it was against the Lakers. Draymond was mic'd up and listening to him coach Wiseman. Wiseman, I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. And talk to, you know, just the team in general, especially, you know, Wiggins and, and is not a talker. He's, he's kind of a quiet guy and getting him on track uh, is going to be vital for, for, the Warriors to, to make a playoff run. Like I expect them to. And of course, Ubre, you know, man, that's about as rough of a start to a season as you can have. So it's, hey, only but he's still get, shooting, bro. He's still shooting that thing. <laughs> it's only going to get better for him. Like that's, that's the beauty of it. I mean, you start at rock bottom, you can only go up, you know? So I just think, I think once he starts settling in, uh, I, I do expect him to be putting in more 20 point efforts and you're not every night. 
but more than that, I, I also think that his defense, Ubre's defense has been pretty impressive as well. Like he's not a defensive stopper, but he is super long and obviously ridiculously athletic. Um, so yeah, I mean, the Warriors fans, I know that <laughs> Compton was not, he was not feeling this Warriors team. Uh, I'm pretty sure this may be one of the few seasons that he's actually avoided watching a few games. I know every year he's always, you know, diehard trying to watch every game. Uh, but I believe he probably let a couple of those games slip. Uh, but, you know, I think Warriors fans were spoiled and it's hard, it's hard not to be with, with the level of success that they've had over the last five years, but they could have been, they could be in a much worse position than they are right now. And that's getting Ubre as much of a panic move, as much of a quick move as it was to, you know, respond to the, to losing clay. I, I do think when it's all said and done, that move will look pretty good uh, at the end of this year. There were a couple performances last night and I'm bringing this up because one of our, our most faithful listeners, our boy Timmy out in North Carolina, who sends me literally 60 pieces of North Carolina material every single day. I've never seen so many DMs of Danny Green and like Rashid Wallace in my life and Cole Anthony, right? So I got to give some love to Cole last night, hitting the game winner for Orlando. It was a big bucket. They celebrated uh, hugely in the locker room for him with the, with, I don't think it was champagne, but it was water poured all over him last night. It, it was just one of those good things to see, like, you know, uh, Fultz is out. So he's going to be getting a lot of the burn and we don't get to watch a lot of Orlando, but Cole's nice. And I just liked him, seeing him, you know, hit that game winner last night. And I wanted to give a shout out to Timmy who supports us a lot, but can you chill on the North Carolina shit, bro? Okay. Just chill. I love you dog, but Come on, Dan. I don't need Dan- Danny Green in my DMs like that so much, okay? <laughs> well, it's, I think it's it's funny, though. I mean, Cole Anthony hit a huge shot. Mm-hmm. But in that game, he only had 13 points. Right. You know, it's it really – it's Vucevic is just carrying the load for that whole Orlando team. Uh, Aaron Gordon only had 13 points. And, yeah. And, uh, and, and so I do think – I mean, Cole Anthony is nice. He had 13 points, seven rebounds, three assists uh, in a starting role. Uh, but only took seven shots. So I think that's the thing that I'm surprised about more than, you know, the, the point total is that he only took seven shots. He made five of them. Uh, but I, I would expect him to be shooting a lot more. And Vuce, Vucevic got 27 shots up in that game. So he should. Uh, he has to, bro. He's their he best player on the team. Yeah, he's their best player. And yeah, so I just, you know, and, and, and also it was against the Timberwolves, who oh God, are so literally the worst team that we've seen in a while. God, so, um, so anyway, I just, it was, it was a great shot. It was, it was probably the best, like, you know, game ending shot that we've had, I think thus far. I mean, that's a, that's one of the few buzzer beaters we've had in this, in this early NBA season. And it was a, it's a hell of a shot. I mean, moving as fast as he was and pulling up lean and fading away, that's a big shot. And hopefully he can, you know, uh, get, keep, take that, that confidence that, that it's going to give him and carry, carry it forward. I agree. Uh, your boy Embiid had another another monster game last night. Like this guy is just bullying everybody. He is in shape. He's getting every single bucket he wants. You were talking about, you know, early MVPs and like he's he's right there too, right? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, they that game from him uh 42 and 10 uh which is I mean 42 points. It took Colin Sexton two overtimes to reach that total, you know? Uh 42 points in regulation that is that's that's doing something anytime you get a 40 or, or above you're actually you're, you're really hitting especially for a big man uh he only took 19 shots i mean that's the other side of this too and only five of those were threes so he was really getting his buckets 
you know, where he's comfortable, where he can move in, in that mid post and, and actual low post. Uh, and he's hitting his free throws as well. 17 and 21 from the free throw See, line. That's so big. It's hard if, to, if you're a big man that can shoot free throws, you will get these kind of numbers dog 17 for 21. Get the fuck out of here. You, your, your, your numbers go so far up on this. Sorry. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? To cut you up. No, it's cool. It's it, he also only played 30, 33 minutes. He played 33 minutes and did all that. So that's the level of Embiid. This is it. We're, we're fine. I have to give him credit. I, I just want to continue to give him credit because we, I've, me in particular, I've been dogging this man because to me, it was like, you know, the worst version of Shaq all over again. Like you have all this talent, you have all this skill, you're all, you know, this massive human being and you're just letting the, the hard work escape you. And he did it. He's doing it. And I just, I, I, he deserves all the credit that he's getting now real quick though, before I, I just go ahead and crown him, you know, uh, MVP or anything like that. They, they beat a Boston Celtics team. It took 42 and 10 from Embiid to beat a Boston Celtics team that didn't have Jason Tatum on it. And they only won by eight points. So there is definitely still some work to be done from a Philadelphia perspective. Uh, but clearly the work is no longer required of Embiid. He's doing everything that you would want him to do. It's everyone else that's got to pick it up a little bit. And I, I want to say Tobias Harris is playing very well as uh, you know, in this system, I think he's probably the happiest that Al Horford is gone. Other than, other than Embiid, I would imagine that he's probably the happiest that Horford is gone because he's able to play that that nice undersized four that gives him that offensive advantage against most, uh, you know, other fours that he's facing up against. Um, and you know, Simmons in that game, eleven points, eight rebounds, eight assists, two steals, five total shots. I love I think the stat that's line. Just the I way love that it. we're we're gonna. I don't have anything wrong with that. Right. I have nothing wrong with that because we, we know he doesn't need to be a 20 point a game scorer. Uh, it would be nice if he got more than five shots, but fuck man, when you got Embiid cooking like that, go ahead and just give him the ball and right. stand there and see if you can get an offensive rebound and play some good defense. So uh, Philly's looking good to me. I, you know, I still wouldn't, I wouldn't discount another move happening specifically with that team. Like maybe a trade is there to be made, but you know, when, when something's going this good, there's no reason to to mess with it. Right. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. So, one team that's won six in a row, they're ten and four right now. Are we sleeping on the Jazz? Well, I am. I certainly am. <laughs> I I'm they put on. me to sleep. I have, that's what I, it I is. have not tuned into like any of their games. You know what? I haven't. I have not tuned into many of their games. Um, but let's just. I mean, the big win. The big win that they can kind of hang their hat on recently. Uh, I mean, they did beat your Clippers way back on the first of, of January, uh, but they beat the Bucks by thirteen points, right? And that one's. Nothing to, you know, that, that's a big win for, for a Utah Jazz team. Uh, but, you know, they beat Cleveland by like 30. <laughs> they beat Detroit by 10 and only scored 96 points in that game. They've lost to the Knicks. Like, I, yeah, they're 10 and four, but, right. you know, it's not convincing. Uh, you know, I, and like I said, if there's a team that I probably need to pay more attention to, it's probably them, you know, given the record. Uh, but I haven't. I haven't had it. I mean, shit, dude, there's so many games on. I haven't really been able to sit down and watch an entire Utah Jazz game. Uh, so, uh, but Rudy, I'm sure, is out to try and prove that he's worth uh, all that money that uh, that Utah gave him. So, 220 million, I think that's what it was, right? 210 million, 
200 200 million hey you mentioned detroit and i was watching their game last night and this is how sad it is okay like jeremy grant was took the last shot of the game right so he's your go-to guy and guys definitely that's he's he is he's their offense it's not a joke i know but it is a joke that's a joke (laughs) to me and it's crazy because dude you know how important Blake Griffin is to me. Like I love Blake Griffin and I just think he's rotting in Detroit. And I posted a stat on our page the other day of just like, he hasn't had one dunk in like over 350 minutes of playing. And he had a great, like he had a highlight move last night, but it was the normal Blake, like off the dribble, go baseline, two foot yammy on somebody. And it was just an up and under, like an Allen Iverson move, right? Like just up and under. And that was his highlight of the game. And I'm just like, You know, it's kind of sad. And obviously, he's had nine surgeries, all right? He's not going to ever be the Blake Griffin of old. That's why they've, you know, moved him out to the three-point line and stretching him out a little bit. I hate that he's rotting away in Detroit. Uh, I just think he could still bring value to some contending team whether i was thinking about the celtics i'm like damn well if the celtics can get him that that might be nice for them but it's just it's kind of sad to see man it, and back to your jeremy grant thing like they still do have like derrick rose was in the game like you could go to derrick rose but they chose to go to jeremy grant and it, he didn't hit it if you guys didn't know yeah yeah what a surprise no i you know i i will say that jeremy grant has to be exceeding anyone's expectations right like when we were talking about him in denver it was clear last season like part of the reason why he left is because he wanted more shots he thinks that he's a better player than you know the than the nuggets were giving him credit for and you know on the denver team there's a lot there's a lot of shots to go around but you know really it's going to be Jokic and murray that's going to carry the load and they obviously had an eye on porter jr and saying like look yeah you know jeremy if you if you want to go then fine i know that denver i i'm pretty sure they came close to matching if not matched uh, Detroit's offer as far as money goes. So it wasn't really about the money. It was more about, you know, the role, the, the role, the mm-hmm. role that he was going to play. And so I think for, for, for Jeremy, it may be just him trying to prove something to himself and, and, you know, maybe to his pops and his uncle who are, you know, Horace and, and uh, the other Harvey. one, Harvey, he's saying like, look, I, I'm, I'm just as good, if not better than you guys. Um, and I, I don't, I don't really have a problem with Jeremy Grant uh, because he is, he's doing it. Like he's out there making shots. He's, he's really efficient from the line or from, from the field. Um, It is a shocker to me. And maybe I was just naive, but Blake Griffin's deterioration is happening so rapidly. Like, cause you look at what happened in the 2018, 19 season is what I was remembering and recalling. He averaged almost 25 points a game, right? He, he played 75 games. He averaged 25 and seven and a half boards. And that's exactly what I was expecting from Blake this year. Uh, granted, last season, he only played 18 games and that dropped all the way down to 15. And this year, in the 11 games that he's played with 33 minutes, 13 points a game. And that's just, you know, that's just where it's at. And I think in Detroit where he can, he's like, you, you should be able to thrive there. You should get your buckets in Detroit, right? Yeah, I, I think that part is the, is the scary part because, you know, in this offseason, I was definitely looking at Blake as the potential person to join a, a contending team. Like you just mentioned the Celtics. Uh, you know, I mentioned I think I mentioned Oklahoma City. I, I, there's a lot of teams out there or even Houston. Like there was teams that I thought could definitely use him. But now you look at him and you're like, I, you know, I don't know who would want to pay that man that much money. And then ex- what can you expect him to actually bring? to a team right now. And I don't, I, it may be the one thing that I'm, I'm holding in reserve 
is that it could be just he's looking around and going, all right, we're three and 11. Uh, I don't really give a shit. Like, I, like, why would I try hard again just to get injured again? And maybe there is some sort of thing, like if, if someone does trade for him, we see a resurgent Blake Griffin and with like a little bit more energy. Because when I've watched Detroit in the games that I have been unable to avoid, uh, <laughs> it doesn't look like he's trying. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's a level of that too. Uh, that I think is is coming into play, not just like he's just terrible, like he's he's a grandpa, he's got to retire. It's not necessarily just that. It's clear his athleticism is is waning, but I do think that there's probably something about the fact that he's looking around and he go he's he's going. This whole team and coaching staff is is wanting Jeremy Grant to have the ball and shoot the ball more than me. Well, fuck him. Hey, two things really quick. You brought, you said Oklahoma city there for a second. I heard a fun fact today because Lou Dort's like playing out of control and he's like a guy I, I would want on my team, I guess. And it's like, it's crazy that it's him and Shea are like the go-to guys in OKC right now. Do you know what they signed him for going into the bubble? Do you know what his contract is? Well, it was like an unguaranteed contract, wasn't it? Uh, I'm not sure about the guaranteed and whatnot. I'm not, but do you know what it is? Don't look it up. Oh no, I, I'm I'm sorry. I'm just looking at the roster. I don't I I don't know. I thought it I thought it was some sort of uh, unguaranteed, like really like almost like a two way type of a contract. It's four year, five million dollars. Tell me that's not like the best contract in the NBA to have right now. Wow, right? isn't that wild? Four wow. years, five million dollars. Well, there's a there's a trade guy that you can go get. I mean, Oklahoma City doesn't want they don't want to win, and and they're out here doing it. Like they they're six and seven right now, and that you know that doesn't that's not jumping off the page. But when when everyone assumed they were going to be shit, the worst team in the NBA, I have to give myself a little pat on the back because I said that's not going to be the case. They just don't their roster of players is not as bad as everyone was making it out to be, and also just that that whole unit, they don't like losing. Like nobody likes losing. So it's, it's one thing to say we're going to go out and, and be the worst team in the league so that we can continue to, you know, get these great draft picks and do all that stuff. Uh, they're not doing that <laughs> because they have some serious talent and Shea Gilgis Alexander uh, on, uh, as well as Dort is playing his ass off. He had like a 30, 30 something point He's uh, game the other night. He's so good. And so I just, you know, if you're, if you're telling me that guy's got a $5 million contract for four years, uh, I don't know who, what, why wouldn't be teams be calling and saying, I need Lou Dort right now. Like if you're, if you're the Nets. Yeah. Give me Lou Dort. <laughs> Lou, Lou Dort for Shammy. Give me Lou Dort for Shammy Sham, who didn't play a single minute in that Cavs game. Uh, you, and you also mentioned Michael Porter Jr. And I'm pissed off at Michael Porter Jr. Cause you're on my fantasy team. You've played three games. This guy caught COVID twice. Like, that's a red flag to me, okay? And you know you know, he's a little uh, – he's made some statements that are a little sketchy. He's definitely an anti-vaxxer, and I don't know if this has nothing against anti-vaxxers, but he's an anti-vaxxer. This guy caught COVID twice, so I'm a little concerned with that. Yeah, you have to be concerned. I mean, he was playing his ass off, too. I think that's – 30. The he was averaging 30. That's the shitty part for Denver. Right. It's like they did let Jeremy Grant go, yes. and – they got this guy locked and loaded and, and they were looking like they made the right decision because he was out there lighting it up. And then, you know, of course now he hasn't played in however long and who knows how much longer he'll be out. Uh, but that, uh, that scenario is not, that's not good. It's not good for Denver. Definitely. Uh, and they're, you know, they're, 
they're creeping back up. They're not nearly as bad as they started the season, as I expected. They're, they're starting to get back up into the rankings. They're seven and seven tied with the Dallas Mavericks right now in record for the nine seed in the West. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll see how that all goes. I, it's hard. It's hard. <laughs> it's hard to think that he can get it again. Got it <laughs> so again. Maybe, at, at maybe the silver lining is that it's out. Now it's done. Like he, you now can't he get it three have, times, right? You, cannot, you can't do it for three times. You can't do it three times. So now he should be good for the rest of the year. Uh, I want to bring up one more thing. And then if you got anything left, uh, I'm, I'm physically hurting drew. Cause I don't, I know, you know, but I've started doing the clip walk, right? So I started doing 10,000 steps a day. I got it to 15,000 and then I set the goals for 20,000 steps a day. Okay. And that's, that's 10 miles a day. So I've been at 20,000 the past four days. Okay. I am physically hurting. My feet hurt. Um, I'm going to continue doing it, but I wanted to say that if any of our listeners want to join me on the clip walk, get your, get your steps in, let's get some activity going. I know we're all in the house a lot. And a lot of the time I have to finish. I I'm lucky because I have the beach trail down there that I can knock out early in the morning, but you will find me in my house pacing, getting these 20,000. I had to do 5,000 at my crib last night, dude. My neighbors probably think I am psychotic. Okay. Well, I think I thought it was funny because you, you know exactly how many steps from one portion of your house to the other, like how many you counted the steps because you're doing it. So, so, so frequently, if, right? if I had to stay home, say it was a rainy day, right. Yeah. And I'm not going to do it outside. It's, it's 26 steps from front door to the bathroom. Okay. With, I don't have a large place guys. I got a nice little beach cottage down here that I like. Yeah. To so it's 26. So we have a 52, we have a 52 inch lap that I, it's a lap, 50, right. That's what I call it. So in order to get 20,000, I think it's 572 laps of my oh house. I have to do, but I'm saying I'm putting in the work, bro. It's 10 miles a day and this shit is kicking my ass. But if any of you guys want to join me on the clip walk, I want to set a standard of 12,000 steps a day. So if you get your 12 K send me a screen, screenshot it'll give me some more motivation to get out there and do that yeah i, wa- I want to get drew on twelve thousand a day too you got the puppy you no. might you can <laughs> no i was just gonna that. tell you i'm not gonna be the ones that i'm not gonna be the one that that raises my hand and says yeah i'm gonna send you a screenshot i do have a dog and i'm not no like i <laughs> i don't know how many steps i'm getting i'm sure i'm getting a decent amount you have an apple I, watch don't you you have I an take apple her, watch i do have an apple watch mm-hmm. uh i I'll, i take her on you know two walks a day and then my girl takes her on one in the, in the evening. Uh, so I'm sure I'm getting up there, but I, I don't even want to know. I'm so lazy and fat right now. It's just Stop, like, I'm, I'm, you know, I just, I'm waiting for, for, um, for basketball to resume whenever that is. I, I know we've joked about being retired, but I'm really starting to get antsy. I, I really, I would, I really want to. Why do you think I'm walking 20,000 steps a day, Drew? Right. That's what I'm doing. The, right. When you, when you have to stop playing basketball, especially uh, to all our listeners that play ball, and I don't know if you're playing right now or not, but like when you play, when you used to playing three, four, five times a week, your whole life, and then you have to go on quarantine. It's amazing how fat you can get so fast. You know what I yes. mean? It's yeah. so, so I'm motivated to do it. And if anybody else is, I'd love to see you. And the clip walk is just perfect. Just, it just sounds great. It's got a great ring to it. Um, yeah. I have, I, I got two new shirts that I'm waiting for samples uh, that I think look really dope. So we might have two new shirts coming out uh, shortly here, but uh, again, what do you, what do you got? You got anything, Drew? Any final thoughts? Drew's final thoughts? 
Yeah. I, so the last, the last thing that we talked about on the, the most previous pod um, was, you know, the impact that COVID is having right now across the league. We're seeing games being postponed, you know, nightly. It seems like there's at least one game every night that's being postponed or every other night. Um, and recently Adam Silver uh, announced that they're looking into vaccinating the players. And to me, that just makes the most sense. Um, so I think obviously we, we, it's important to prioritize those people that need the vaccination more so than, you know, 20 to 30 something in shape men. Uh, but I do think that's, that's going to be the pathway forward for this season to hopefully continue and finish without much of a hitch. Um, and I think, you know, as the vaccines become more readily available, uh, it makes a lot of sense for the NBA to get their teams and players and coaches and refs and everybody vaccinated. And I think that could be uh, the best way uh, to make sure that the season doesn't come down to like, like we were talking about with Spencer the last two weeks and you're sitting there and you're, and you're the Cavs and you're missing three players because of COVID protocol. Uh, you know, that, that might be a great way to avoid uh, that sort of an ending. Uh, and also in the playoffs, you don't want that happening in the playoffs as well, where you got a, a tight matchup between two teams and then one team can only field nine players and four of their best players are out. So I, I hope that, uh, you know, that can happen, uh, obviously, in, in accordance with the way that everyone else needs it, like, but definitely get all of the doctors and nurses and military members and, you know, all the, uh, as many of the uh, people that are really in danger uh, of, of getting some serious repercussions from catching COVID. Uh, but I do think that there's a, a real light at the end of the tunnel as far as that's concerned. Well, Memphis just had to cancel their next three games to, to what you just said. I mean, they're canceling the next three games. And I, again, this is why we didn't do a fantasy league. And this is why, like, last week I think I had 570 points. You know what I mean? When you're normally getting 1,300. Like, nobody is playing. The only issue with the vaccine is there's definitely going to be people that are going to say, I don't want to – I'm not – you're not forced to get a vac- vaccine. Right. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, it shouldn't be mandated. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, absolutely not. But if you know, if you're if you're a player that that would would take it and wants to take it, then of course. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, like you know, if we can get seventy percent, eighty percent of the league vaccinated, or you know, however many guys don't want to take it, that's fine. It's your own choice. Right. But obviously, that you know, the the more that you can get vaccinated, the less likely you're going to run into issues like these uh, down at the back end of the season when it really counts. Totally agree with you, bro. Hey, um, we're going to be back. I mean, when are you coming back up? Maybe Saturday, Sunday, Monday, maybe next uh, week. We don't know. Well, I'm moving. So, I, you oh, know, okay. these next this weekend is is, is packing up, uh, getting things ready. And then the next weekend's the move. So I think probably uh, I would say Wednesday next week. Wednesday, Thursday next week is the is a good call for me. All right. We got a, hey, we got our new app is out. The basketballnews.com app is out. You should get it. Our podcast is on there along with many others, some really great articles every single day. Uh, download it, check us out. We, you know what we need, Drew? We need more reviews. I want some more reviews on the pod. I don't say it enough, but can you guys just take a couple minutes and review us and leave us something nice? A five star would be great. But either way, check us out. Again, there's 10 other podcasts on our podcast network Kenyon Martin. James Posey, the postcast, Alex Kennedy, uh, Spencer Davis is on there, who was on the show today with Keeping It 94. Dishes and Dimes, I was on their show last night. These girls are awesome. They have such a great fan base. Check out their podcast. We're going to take them out with my boy CeeLo Green. I know I've had him before, but this is this is called Follow Me. This is a banger. Turn it up. Bang it. It is the follow-through with Clips and Drew, and we'll go. Trust me, even though I'm not.
Oh, yeah.